Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Karingai Post, the Hornsby RSL, and our new sponsors in ISC Sports. Yes, Anthony Caruso here with you, and we have got the wrap-up of the 2020-21 NHL season. It took us this long to get to the end of it, but what a season it was. It was captivating. It was thrilling. It had everything to you could ever expect and a whole lot more. Joining us tonight, our resident ice hockey expert, the man who knows Canada better than anyone else out of Australia, the Lord Mayor himself. He's back. Keith Sapolsky, good evening to you. Good evening, Bourne. Good evening to everyone listening, wherever they might be listening, right across the globe. And, yeah, it's a little bit sad that the NHL's over for another season, but we're going to have less time to wait uh, for the next season because the next one, due to start on time at the beginning of October, so we'll see exactly what happens there. Absolutely. We've got a mountain of stuff to get through tonight because we've got all 31 teams that we're going to be going through. We're going to be giving our famous uh, report card ratings, and I imagine, Keith, you're going to be chomping at the bit to give some absolute pastings. Well, there's a few teams that deserve a bit of a pasting, and there's a few teams that deserve a bit of praise, and a few teams that all things being equal, they probably deserve a little bit of both when you consider exactly what did happen. So I think I'll leave it in your capable hands to get us started. Absolutely. And uh, by the way, we should make mention as well, Keith, our new sponsors, ISC Sports, great to have them on board with us. Absolutely. And I know ISC very well from their work in past years with West Tigers and quality brand to be associated. Absolutely. We, and you know what? You know what that means as well? Merch. Absolutely, yes. So don't, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have... Merch being made available very soon to go ahead with it. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get straight into it as the puck drops. This is Splinters. We're going to kick things off here with the Central Division. The first team that we're going to have up, in, and we're doing this in alphabetical order in terms of the competition. First off, Carolina who finished top of the standings and to all intents and purposes, I thought underachieved in the playoffs. I gave them a B plus and I thought they should have done better. Well, it depends on exactly what perspective you look at it from. Yes, you can say that Carolina, they finished top of the standings in the Central Division. They probably should have done better than to get through to the second round. They probably could have gone on to the Stanley Cup semifinals. You can't call it the conference finals this year because of the way everything worked out. But you know, they came up against Nashville in the first round, they dispatched Nashville easily. That was expected. But when you come up against Tampa, when you come up against the defending champions, that even though they finished third in the standings in the in the division, most people still consider them to be the benchmark in the NHL. I don't know whether you can really turn around and say it was disappointing and they've had a bad year if they've lost to Tampa Bay. So, yeah, it's probably a little bit disappointing on their part that they didn't make the third round of the playoffs. But when you get beaten by Tampa, I don't think you can turn around and say, gee, we really messed that up. To 
their credit, one of the great things that we saw from them this year, the Hurricanes, is that they had, I think it is correct in saying, the third best defense in the competition behind only Colorado and the Golden Knights. So as I said, I gave them, I gave them a B. You think I'm probably being a bit harsh. Well, you said B+. Plus. B+, I think, sorry, yeah. I think, uh, I think a B plus or an A- minus is probably fair enough. I'd lean towards A- minus because if they lost to somebody else, if Florida, for example, had made the second round and Carolina lost to Florida, then you'd say, yeah, okay, that's a bit of a disappointment. But as I say, it's Tampa Bay. You come up against Tampa Bay. If you come out with anything respectable to show for it, then you've generally done pretty well. So I think B plus A, I, I'd probably lean towards A minus, but if they come back again with the same result next season, then I think you're entitled to start asking, well, okay, is this team improving? Because next season you expect Tampa to suffer some salary cap woes, but we'll get through that later on. And you're right, third most miserly defence. It's not exactly a small thing to make sure that you step up and you're leaking less than two, less than three, I should say, less than three goals a game. And if you can keep that goals against to under three, then you're going to win far more games than you lose. The next team that we've got then is the Chicago, is the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, for a long time we've, we've been watching and amazing how they keep making playoff after playoff after playoff, but you know, that run is now over and they're going to be very much in a rebuild phase. They finished sixth in their conference and that's all that, that's all they're going to get. To their credit, I mean, their record was fairly mixed. But they're, you know, I just don't think they've quite got the quality that they once had, and they need to manage this transition phase a little bit better. Well, they're managing it well by moving Duncan Keith. He was the cornerstone of their blue line, their defence during that Stanley Cup run, and they're looking to move him to Edmonton. Edmonton at the moment, at, at the time of recording, is saying no to their demands because what Chicago's asking for is either Ryan McLeod, who's an up-and-coming forward, who Edmonton expect him to fill what's called a top nine role, which is one of their first three lines, or Chicago wants Ethan Bear. Now, I can tell you that Ethan Bear is a non-starter because he's already one of Edmonton's top four defenders, and that's not going to be acceptable to the Oilers to give that up. So, depending on what sort of deal they can strike, he might move, he might not move. Either way, Chicago knows what's in front of them. The bigger problem they're going to have is whether Stan Bowman, the general manager, hangs around because there is a very nasty allegation that has been made. It's an historical allegation of sexual assault against a former video coach made by the players against, and that accusation is of assault against the players. So we're going to have to see exactly who knew what because if Stan Bowman, the GM, is found to have known about it and covered it up, then everything we know about Chicago can go out the door. So at the moment, Chicago, as you say, very much in a state of flux. Their goal four, as you say, was an issue for them. Their, their attack was not that great, which probably makes sense as to why they're pushing for this transfer to gain some forwards. And they've got some work to do here. I gave them a C plus, acknowledging that they are going through that transition phase and it was an average season by all intents and purposes. Probably from their loss off rating, they'd probably say it was a very disappointing year, but I think they did as well as they, as they could have expected. They just need some more strike power and obviously they're going to the market for it. Jonathan Taves missed the entire season. When your captain's out for the year, that's always going to be difficult. C plus, yeah, I can see where you're coming from there. They didn't have Jonathan Taves though. I'd give them a B minus. I think they did a little better than that given that they didn't have their captain. Let's go. Let's go to the next team. It is the Columbus Blue Jackets. There was so much promise about this team over the last couple of years, and they have fallen into an absolute heap. The second worst attack in the competition. Their defense was meh, to say the very least. 
And what didn't help as well was the number of overtime losses that they recorded, the second most in the competition, with 12. Yeah, that helps you if you're looking for some extra points in games that you might have lost. But when you lose that many, when you might have been able to win a handful of them, move them up, okay, it only moves them up a spot if half those overtime losses turn into wins. So it's not a huge impact. John Tortorella, the coach, is now gone. Seth Jones, their star defenseman, has asked for a trade. He wants out of Columbus because he wants to test himself in free agency next year and Columbus is looking at trying to move him for some assets before things go awry. They're trying to figure out, well, does Seth Jones want to go to market or does he simply want out of Columbus? If he wants to go to market, Columbus is not going to get a great return. If he simply wants out of Columbus, then maybe there's a sign-and-trade deal happening here with another team. But Columbus very much in rebuild now. I'd probably give them, given what they were looking at at the start of the season, uh, I'd probably give them a C-, minus, maybe even a D. They were very disappointing, even though they weren't expected to do an awful lot. And it's going to be a really rough off-season for them now because on the 4th of July, the tragic passing of one of their up-and-coming goaltenders, Matisse Klinovics, uh, I should say. I think I've mispronounced that, but uh, a tragic accident on the 4th of July, and they're really going to be shaken up by that. That was the that was the fire the firework accident, wasn't it? Yeah, the firework to the chest, unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah, and he passed away from that. So Columbus, they're looking at a pretty rough year next year, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. I gave them a C minus. I thought they probably could have done a bit better, but then again, you know, it, it just seemed like they'd just run of luck, just absolutely left them. We then move on to the Dallas Stars, and to their credit, the Dallas Stars have fixed a long time issue for themselves. They've managed to stop leaking goals like an absolute sieve, and they've managed to get to that that point, as you say, of conceding less than three goals a game. The problem was they couldn't score to save their life either. Well, this is the interesting thing because Dallas has always been a scoring team, then they tried to play a shutdown role, and now they can't score as, score as a result, and the defence isn't that great. They made the cup final last year, so big things were expected of them, with interim coach Rick Bonus taking over in a full-time role, but they had their first, I think it was something like the first 10 games or so, had to be rescheduled because they were shut down with a COVID problem. A few teams ran into a COVID problem during the year. Dallas didn't get their season underway until about two weeks into the season because they had to deal with those virus issues. I think they did well to get as close as they did to the playoffs but no doubt it's still a disappointing season based on what they achieved last year. You've got to give allowances for the COVID situation so I'd probably give them a C-. minus. I was looking at C for them. I think um, probably C- minus was really a touch harsh but again, you know, like the Columbus Blue Jackets, you know, 14 overtime losses. It's the most of any any team in the competition. And even if they converted, you know, half of those, say, into a win, that's enough to put them in the playoffs. Well, they stayed in the playoff race because of those overtime losses. And you're quite right. Half of those puts them into the playoffs reasonably comfortably ahead of Nashville. But it wasn't to be for Dallas. And now we've got to see whether this is the real Dallas or whether this was the bad year and they really are an elite team. The next team we've got lined up, the Detroit Red Wings, and well, what do we say? There was It was almost a false dawn a couple of years ago when they almost took everything before them, and they've just gone back to the same old, same old that we've seen from them for the last 20, 30 years. Well, 
no, I'd argue against that because it was the fact that they made the playoffs 26 years in a row or something like that that got them into where they are now. So Detroit has really imploded. They're, they're in the middle of a rebuild. Everybody knows that. Steve Eisman came in from Tampa. He knew what the job was ahead. You talk about a five-year plan for a lot of teams. This is a seven- or eight-year plan. That's how badly off Detroit were when Steve Eisenman arrived. And for them to get off the bottom of the Central Division was a really impressive effort on their part. They did what they were expected to do. They didn't do anything major. They're just going about trying to develop some younger players. There wasn't really anything there to get too excited about. I'd probably give them a B-, minus simply because we knew what they were in for, and they pretty much delivered on that. But it was a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of their improvements. So it's not all doom and gloom in Detroit. But it's not, a, it's not a great outlook over the next season or two, no. Well, here's the question. If you've said that they have um, overachieved in ter- certain aspects of that rebuild this year, where would you expect them to be on that, say, seven-year plan to get them back into the, into the playoffs? Well, this is really only the second or third year. You've got to give them time because they've got prospects come through under the old regime. I can't say they drafted hugely well or those prospects haven't really started to deliver as yet. This is a real long-term thing. This isn't, oh yeah, well, two or three years down in the doldrums and we'll be right back into it. No, this is another three or four years of misery for Detroit before they start showing anything whatsoever. Let's move down south. We're going to head down to the Florida Panthers. A, a solid year for them. They finished second in the Central Division and in the playoffs, well, they, well, what do you say? They ran into Tampa Bay and there's not much that can be done about that. It's very common in hockey for a young team to get on a real run. They go all the way to the playoffs. They look like they're in a real good spot. They're full of youngsters. They're full of enthusiasm. They come up against a real high-quality team, and then they get their backsides handed to them on a plate. This is what we expected from Florida all season. We knew they were a good team. We know they are a good team. They've got plenty of youngsters coming through. Sergei Bobrovsky still taking time to settle into Florida. People who expected him to be an all-world goalie after signing his seven-year, $70 million deal. Okay, at that sort of money, you would expect a goalie to be good straight away. But it's a very big job to adjust to a new system when you're a goaltender. And if he doesn't deliver this season coming up uh, in the 21-22 season, then I'd be worried if I'm Florida Panthers. At the moment... Okay, they looked good. They finished second in the division. Tampa handed their backsides to them on a plate. But you know what? They're a young team. It's growing pains. Give them an A- minus because they really did impress this year, and there's good signs ahead. The other player that that impressed me in particular was Chris um, Dreger, their goaltender, who had a very impressive year, a GAA of only 2.07 and a shot save percentage of, of 92.7%. And he played a very key role in this team, especially for a lineup that was known so so much for their attack. Yeah, he took the starting goalie position off Bobrovsky for a while there, and 9.27 is a good save percentage, and Dreiger look is a pending UFA at the moment, and I don't think Florida's going to be able to re-sign him, so I think he's going to get a starting role somewhere with a team that's looking for a starting goaltender. Don't be surprised at all if Seattle Kraken, which is the new team coming into the league next season, in the expansion draft, go to Dreiger and offer him a three- or four-year deal. If he signs it, that means that he's there selection from the Panthers.
I forgot to mention there's going to be a new team as well next year. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that because we'll they're going to be playing out west. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to that a little bit later on. We then move on to the Nashville Predators, and they Oi. they may they may just sneak into the into the playoffs on 64 points. Uh, very much a middle middle of the field performance this year. I guess unlike a lot of the other team behind them, they converted a lot of their games into a result, whether it's a win or a loss. Jose Saros, I thought was quite so, was quite solid for them. A lot with Pekka, Pekka Rene as well. Yeah, goaltending tandem was good for them. Rene and Saros, as you say. 31-23-2, and two, the fewest overtime losses in the division by far. In fact, I think that was the fewest overtime losses. I think they might have tied with Vegas for fewest overtime losses in the league. I think Edmonton That's might have correct. been in there as well. And Edmonton, um, yeah. yeah, so really impressive there from Nashville, being able to convert overtime into results, particularly given that they went to overtime, uh, they got a regular, they got a regulation win, 21 occasions, 10 of those 31 wins came in overtime or the shootout. So uh, I think five of them were shootout wins and five overtime wins. So Nashville, but that they're loaded up. They've got Ryan Johansson on a big deal. They've got Matt Duchesne on a big deal. They've got two, three or four defensemen. They don't know exactly what they're doing with the expansion draft. I wouldn't be surprised if Nashville try and wriggle out from Johansson or Duchesne. And they're, I think they're looking down the barrel of a rebuild because I don't think there's any way out for this Nashville team now. I think they've got to rebuild and start over. Uh, it might be possible to retool, but certainly this year I'd give Nashville a D. They should be right up there and they, they'll be really disappointed with what they did. How? Ouch! That is harsh. I think that's the first slam of the night. That's the first. That is the first slam of the night. And I suppose the other thing to be mentioned with it as well is, of course, they did get their rear ends handed to them by Carolina as well. well that, that was to be expected because Carolina yeah. did play very well in the regular season. Once they made the playoffs, they were just making up the numbers. It was Carolina, Florida, Tampa, and insert insert team fill here sort of thing so it was always going to be a walk in the park for whoever finished first out of Carolina and Florida and Nashville I think they got to look to the rebuild and finally we finish off with the champions now the uh, two time in a row champions back to back back to back Tampa Bay they finished third in the season, but it's like they've just become what Chicago used to be. As soon as you get into the playoffs, this is the team you want. They're a team built for the regular season and the playoffs. That is an incredibly difficult thing to do. It did help them as well that Nikita Kucherov, who, if you want to look up something really fun, go and look up Nikita Kucherov's press conference. He did it shirtless on Zoom, and he was just paying out on your beloved Montreal fans. Absolutely fantastic press conference, I have to say. Tampa Bay, they did it beautifully. You don't have to finish the regular season in top spot. You just have to position yourself nicely in the playoffs. Time your run well. Make sure that your best players are playing the best hockey. Make sure your tough players are really getting into the grind of playoff hockey. Make sure that your young guys have got plenty of support. Don't leave your goalie out to dry. They did everything perfectly. If you could give more than an A-plus, you would. Not just because they won the title, but the way they went about winning the title. And the MVP, they also picked up the MVP for the playoffs in Andre Vasilevsky in the uh, in the playoffs. He was sensational for them. The Con Smythe Trophy uh, for playoff MVP. It's been a while since the goalies won that, uh, and certainly been a while since the goalies won it uh, in the second of back-to-back cups. I think we're going back to uh, Ken Dryden back in the 70s with Montreal. We're going that far back. So Andre Vasilevsky definitely deserved it. And Tampa, okay, the salary cap's going to take a bit of a chunk out of them, but they they positioned themselves beautifully this year. They did it perfectly. Let's go to the east. 
division. We start off in alphabetical order with the uh, the Boston Bruins. They finished third in their league, but what ended up being a very tight um, division between the top four teams. Far from disgrace in terms of the way that they, they finished in that league. And I say that as someone who absolutely despises Boston, took out the Washington Capitals and then went down to the New York Islanders in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, this was this was pretty well managed by, as you say, both Boston and the Islanders. Boston finishing in third. They didn't overdo it. They ran into a couple of injury concerns during the season as well. They timed their run well. They made sure they got into the playoffs. They really did give Washington a bit of a touch-up in that first round. And then they ran into a New York Islanders team. Very, very unfortunate, the New York Islanders... Uh, against the New York Islanders, I should say, the Boston Bruins, not to advance, but the New York Islanders, very impressive. You look at it and say, okay, they got knocked down in the second round, but New York Islanders, it's no disgrace being beaten by them the way the Islanders played this year. I'd probably give them a B plus because they would have been expecting to do a little bit more than what they ended up doing, but all things being equal, when you get to the second round of the playoffs, you Chances are you're going to come up against a team that is really, really strong and you're going to have to figure out, well, do is, is, are we really a team that expects to go through or are we a team that is in that group that, well, maybe, maybe not. We're probably just below that really elite top tier and I think Boston's just below that at the moment. We then move on to the Buffalo Sabres who finished bottom in the East. Pass, F-minus, sack everybody. They're trying to trade Jack Eichel as well who went second in the 2015 draft behind Connor McDavid. Jack Eichel is one of the elite playmakers in the league. They're needing to trade him because Eichel doesn't want to hang around. They're refusing to treat a neck hernia. Uh, I think it's a herniated disc that Buffalo wants rehab on and Eichel wants surgery. Buffalo, it, it's just, it's dark days ahead. Pass. F- how, F- do, how, does this, how does this franchise keep functioning? Surely it's going to get to the point where the NHL is just going to say, you are such a basket case, we are revoking your license. Well, they, they may buy the license back off the Pagoulas, but Buffalo has the best TV, it's the best TV market in North America when it comes to the NHL, better than the Canadian markets as well. That's how much hockey dominates the TV market in Buffalo. So you're not going to be able to just punt Buffalo. You might take it back off the Pagoulas, but that franchise is just an absolute mess. F minus, give them a G if you can, because that's how bad they are. Oh, boy, that is brutal, even for the Sabres. I Let's move on to... generous compared with what their fans are saying. Yeah, that, 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 that may well be the case. Uh, joining them down at the bottom of that uh, division was the New, New Jersey Devils on 45 points, and it was a terrible, terrible year for the Devils. This is a team that we, we thought was going to struggle, and no surprise that they've ended up this far. We did think they'd struggle. But we thought they'd finish bottom because we thought the Buffalo... We basically thought the Buffalo and New Jersey would be swapping places. Only thing is that Buffalo is now in a situation... They're that far into their rebuild, quote-unquote, although they might have to tear it down again. I think they're they in a permanent be, rebuild. Well, that's right. Buffalo's in the position where they should be improving, but New Jersey's at that position where they should be just about bottomed out. And if it wasn't for Buffalo, they would be bottomed out by now. So... <clears throat> All things being equal, I think Jersey, yeah, okay, might have gone a little bit better this season, but you know you're in the rebuild. They won't be too disappointed with that. Again, it's a B minus, probably a little bit disappointed. You could even go a C plus. A little disappointing on what they would have expected this season, but it's not a disaster by any stretch. Surely they could have done a Buffalo tank job this year. 
score. Well, I, think, I, th- I think they tried. That's 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 how bad Buffalo was. That Jersey tried to be bad, and Buffalo were eight points worse. Oh God, I, I I can't wait for the snippet to drop out of this, and us just absolutely creaming Buffalo. We're probably going to become their biggest um their biggest supporters at the moment at this rate. So. Uh. Oh, dear. Leave them alone. Oh, they've, they've, they've suffered enough. New York Islanders got into fourth place, I would say fairly comfortably in the end, given the divide in it. Tell you what, they gave Tampa an absolute run for their money in the Stanley Cup semifinals. Game seven, Tampa won that one to nothing. Islanders can feel most aggrieved that they didn't win that series. Watching the two series, Vegas versus Montreal and the Islanders versus Tampa, you just got the feeling watching that Tampa versus the Islanders series, whoever won that was going to win the cup. Vegas or Montreal, didn't matter who won, they weren't going to be able to go with Tampa or the Islanders. So New York Islanders, you can say, okay, they didn't make the cup final, so might have been a disappointing season for them. They lost to the champions and they gave the champs all they could take and at times in that game seven, Tampa did very well to hold on. So I think New York Islanders Going back to the alignment next season with the traditional Metro division, I think you can see them going back to the conference final again, probably facing off against Tampa if they can avoid too much drama when it comes to the salary cap. I think the New York Islanders, and the New York Islanders aren't done improving yet. They've got a fair bit of work to do before they can say that they are exactly where they want to be. So bright times ahead on the island. And it should be mentioned as well that the um, the award that they pick, did pick up, the Jim Gregory General Manager of the Year Award to their general manager, Lou Lamorello, has done an outstanding job with the Islanders. And it it's really is a sign that they are building nicely. Yeah, they've done a brilliant job. Lamorello's really got that team on the right path. And he did well by making sure that Barry Trotz came in after he won the Cup with the Washington Capitals. They are on a real good thing, the Islanders. Give them an A-. And if they didn't run into... And if they turned up against Tampa on a different night, who knows, they might have been holding the cup aloft. We then move on to their cross-city rivals, the, the New York Rangers. Missed out on the playoffs on 60 points and a fair way off. And what's even more incredible is the fact that they, well, I mean, some would say when they look at the stats that they were unlucky to miss out. But to be perfectly honest, they ended up with a plus 20 goal difference in a competition, in a division that had both New Jersey and Buffalo. So that, that was very flattering in that regard. Oh, I think the a good sign for the New York Rangers is that they're one of the main contenders, along with the LA Kings and the Jack Eichel sweepstakes at the moment. Uh, I, I would imagine that the Kings will probably get it because get him because the Sabres won't be keen to trade within the same conference. But the Rangers, as, and that plus 20 goal difference is a very good point because the Rangers, when they came up against those weak teams, they did beat up on them pretty well. And that's what you want to see from a young team, not taking the foot off the gas, making sure that those games you're supposed to win, you do win, and you win them well. The future looks very good for the Rangers. Not much of a rebuild. It only took them a couple of years. It's more of a retool. But they're just young at the moment. They just need to settle into the groove. I think they probably make the playoffs next season. And then after that, we'll just wait and see. One player to note in, ter- in terms of their performance, Adam Fox picking up the James Norris Memorial Trophy. It was outstanding in defence. And that really showed in the performance throughout the season. They considered 157 goals again underneath that three-goal-a-game cap. But when you say it's a young team, a young defenseman picking up that award, it is good signs ahead. I gave them a B plus. Uh, they're shaping 
nicely. They just need to now go that next step. I think B plus. You can make a case for B plus. You can make a case for A minus. Either or, it doesn't really matter um, because they did a good job to set themselves up for the future this season, and I think it does look bright for them. We then move on to the Philadelphia Flyers, who finished Woof. sixth in, in the division. Wolf. Yeah, they struggled this year. They should have done a lot better. Philadelphia. Um, they were up and down, up and down all season. I don't know what Chuck Fletcher is going to do with that team. They're talking about Claude Giroux being on the trade block. I don't know what the future holds. Carter Hart was really disappointing in the back end of the season, but with a young goalie, you can never quite pick exactly what they're going to do year on year. I think a B minus. I think Philadelphia, okay, they might not have been expected to make the playoffs, but they should have been in the run right down the stretch, and to finish 13 points out was really weak. Not only that, but their defense was absolutely woeful. Worse than, worse than the division, and in fact, if I scan my eyes over, I think that is, yes it is, the worst defense in the competition as well. Yeah, they leaked goals, they had a goaltending problem, and as the old saying goes in hockey, when you've got goaltending, it's 50% of your team. When you've got bad goaltending, it's 100% of your team. And when Carter Hart went into the funk... That was pretty much it for them. We then move on to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who topped the division uh, ahead against the Washington Capitals, only on goal difference. In fact, there was almost nothing to split. Well, it was actually on regulation and overtime wins that they beat them out, but with 34 regulation and overtime wins to 33, and that's the first tiebreaker. So um, Pittsburgh, yeah, they topped the division, but they're getting old. Sidney Crosby, when you think about it, he's 34 at the start of next season, and that's depressing to think about when it wasn't that long ago that Sidney Crosby was this real upstart kid ready to take the world by storm. So I think Pittsburgh, I think they might have one or two runs left in them before the rebuild has to start. And I think Brian Burke and Ron Hextall, the president and GM respectively, they have to start looking at the possibility of trading Sidney Crosby, getting some sort of asset back for him because if the if the window shuts on Pittsburgh in the next couple of seasons, then they're going to have to find a way to really make themselves relevant. I give them a B- minus because they should have been able to win a playoff round. Okay, they come up against the Islanders, but the Islanders just dominated them, and I thought they were really disappointing. I just get the feeling that they're now going to be prime meat. As you say, they need to start looking at shipping Sidney Crosby. I think they need to do that now. If they want to get maximum value for it now, this off-season or into the start of next year is when you want to make that trade. Because if they leave that too late, you end up with a situation that you do see in other sports, especially in the Premier League. If you leave it too long, players are more likely to test themselves in the free market. No, I don't think Sidney Crosby is going to leave under his own steam. I think that they're probably going to go another year because they've still got Evgeny Malkin and they've still got Chris Letang and they're going to figure out how long they've got left and if things really do start to turn sour next season, okay, you might look at moving them on at the deadline but I don't think they're going to have to do it this off-season but certainly next off-season they're going to have to take a serious look. And to finish off the division before we go to our break, it is the Washington Capitals, uh, the team all of the plastic fans love to get behind at the moment. They finished second in the division. They got bounced out and I could not be happier to see Washington to get bounced out in the first round. Well, they're a little bit disappointing, the Capitals, but again, the problem that Alex Ovechkin's got this year, he was a bit off this season, didn't finish right up the top of the goal-scoring records. The problem they've got is that they don't exactly know what they're doing inside him, whether it's Nicholas Backstrom, whether it's Evgeny Kuznetsov. Kuznetsov's been involved in trade talk at the moment. Washington, they're in a state of flux. They need to decide what they are. I don't think they're moving Alex Ovechkin anytime soon, but it remains a live option. So again, watch the this space. I'd give them a B to a B minus because they're not what Pittsburgh 
Berger, but they would have been a little bit disappointed that Samsonov and Vitacek, uh, or Vitacek, I should say, their goaltending tandem didn't deliver as they might have hoped. So they're in a state of flux as well. Probably a little more down the road of trying to figure out what to do with their players than what Pittsburgh are, but I don't think they're on the on the precipice of falling off the cliff like Pittsburgh are. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to our break, and when we come back, we'll have part two of the wrap of the 2020-21 NHL season. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Korean Guide Post, the Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports. We'll be right back. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au, for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Karingai Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports. Anthony Caruso with the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky, as we wrap up 2020-21 in the NHL. And we're going to go straight to the West Division. I'm going to start off with the Anaheim Duck. And I'll tell you what, Keith, they weren't quacking this year because they were almost as bad. In fact, yeah, they were almost as bad as the Buffalo Sabres. They were. They were very ordinary, the Anaheim Ducks. But they're in a rebuild year. They're in a rebuild phase. Everybody expected them to be bad. They were bad. That's what we expected. They wanted to give the kids an opportunity to develop. They did give the kids the opportunity to develop. I just wonder what they're going to do with their goaltender, John Gibson. He's one of the better goaltenders in the National Hockey League. If they want to move him, then I think it would be a mistake. I think they're going to hang on to him. He's only 27. In fact, he... uh, No, sorry. Right now, he's 28 years of age. So he's got a few years left in him before he starts to go on the downhill run for a goalie. And I think Anaheim, they've got bright years ahead, but they're in the midst of a rebuild now. If they can get some real... If they can get Ryan Getzlaff back on a cheap contract and then flip him for assets, then I think it would be a really good run for them. They did what they were expected to do. I'd just give them a B. I was going to give them a C. It was an average season for what they were expecting, and that's pretty much what they got. So maybe a little bit harsh, but they got 
what they pretty much deserved. We then move on to the Arizona Coyotes. They missed out on the playoffs by nine points. Uh, the defense was not that great, and it has to be said that, you know, questions are going to be continued to ask about the long-term prospect of the Coyotes. Yeah, they're always going to be followed around by relocation talks, but that wasn't an issue this season. Oliver Ekman Larson, he's a real problem for them now. He used to be their absolute crown asset, their crown jewel. Now he's a bit of a liability. He's got an $8 million contract to run. I think it's got another six years on it or something like that, and he's playing as a $6 million player at the moment, so they're going to have to find a way to move him, try and get out from under that contract. I'd give him a B-, minus, maybe a C. It's going to be a real struggle for the Coyotes. They, they just can't get it right in the desert. Is this a moment where they look to actually blow the squad up now and start again, or is it just a couple of piece moves to try and get everything in place? No, I, I'm not sure whether I'd go a complete blow up and rebuild, but they need to figure out who they are and what they stand for. They need to decide, are they an all-in offensive unit? Are they a grinding defensive unit? Do they want to try and play a bit each? They just don't have an identity as a team at the moment. They're just a team that you look at and think, okay, so they need to figure out who they are and what they're going to do. We then move on to the Colorado Avalanche, your President's Cup winners for the for the season. 82 points, just edging out Vegas Golden Knights. Colorado, Philip um, Grubauer had a great season for, their, for themselves, and you just felt that they could have gone on and done better. Yeah, you might look at Colorado and think, oh, they won the President's Trophy out in the second round. That must be a terrible season for them, but the team that they lost to was Vegas. Now, Colorado, 39 wins, 4 overtime losses. Vegas, 40 wins, 2 overtime losses, both on 82 points. Both had 39 regulation or overtime wins. Goal difference, Vegas plus 67, Colorado plus 64. It was regulation wins, Colorado 35, Vegas 30, which saw Colorado take the President's Trophy. They come up against Vegas, Colorado won the first two games, and then Vegas won the next four. I'm not going to be too disappointed if I'm Colorado, but they're going to have to do a little bit better than that next year because they've been really good for a couple of years now on the back of that absolute debacle season we saw from them a few years ago where they were just a running joke during the season. They're starting to come good, but they really need to tighten up and they need to make a longer run in the next couple of seasons. Uh, And if they don't, then questions will be asked. I gave them a B+. I thought they did well. They could have done better. Their dispatching of, of St. Louis was no surprise and unlucky, I think, to go down to the Vegas Golden Knights, but they need to build on here. They need yeah. to keep going. Yep, absolutely. I'd probably give them a B. We then move on to the LA Kings, and yeah, there are talks about, okay, this was a bad year for them, but they're a team on the build now. I'm not so sure. Oh, I, I'm not agreeing with that whatsoever. These guys, they have the best prospect pipeline in the National Hockey League. That's why they're in on Jack Eichel. That's why I think they're going to get Jack Eichel. Once you throw Jack Eichel in as the second-line centre behind Anze Kopitar, that's a one-two punch down the middle. That is going to be brutal. And if they don't give up much to get him in terms of their really high-end prospect pool, then all of a sudden... And don't forget, the Kings have also got Quinton Byfield. If they can get away with acquiring Eichel without giving up Quinton Byfield, the sky is the limit for them. This was a continuing-to-build year. This was just a growth year for them. They did what was expected of them. They never really contended seriously for the playoffs. They got the kids some experience. If they can land Jack Eichel then the sky's the limit within the next five years for the LA Kings. If they don't, then it'll be intriguing to see what Quinton Byfield does. 
They did what they expected to do this year. Again, I think it's another B. Uh, another B indeed. I gave them a B minus. Uh, I thought they did okay. Their defense probably still needs a bit of work. But yeah, as you said, I thought that there was a little bit of development. I'm not so sure whether it's there or thereabouts. There's a lot of if for that that growth. This is going to be your hot take where we come back and say, gee, what were you thinking? Okay, I'll wear that if I have to. I'll wear that if I have to. <laughs> we then move on to the Minnesota Wild. They finished wow. a very they finished a very credible third place this year. They were expected to miss the playoffs. Arizona was supposed to be the team that filled in. Minnesota finished uh, 20, I was going to say 19, but it was actually 21 points ahead. They were talking about Minnesota being a dark horse for the Stanley Cup. Come up against Vegas and you think, oh, Minnesota, this is going to get ugly. They took Vegas to seven games. It wasn't exactly a dud run from the Wild. They've got some really good years in front of them if they can keep this group together and sort of build on what they're doing. They're starting to get out from those uglier contracts. be really interesting if they can find a taker for either Zach Parisi or Ryan Suter or both. Because if you can do that, if you can get out from those contracts, you're looking at getting out from about $26 million. Um, no, I was going to say uh, it was a 13-year deal. I should say that they signed for $98 million each. So if you can find takers for that, you're going to be saving somewhere around $15 million in cap space. And with a flat cap in the environment at the moment, that is worth more than just stainless titanium mixed with gold and whatever you like in there. That will be really interesting if they can get out from under those two. Kirill Kaprizov was absolutely outstanding. He was rated the best first-year player getting the Calder Memorial Trophy. Not only that, but they also picked up second place, I think, for the best coach of the year, Dean um, Everson, for the Jack Adams Award. They've done well. They've got a young team coming through. They, they could be contenders, I think, in a couple of years' time. I gave them a B plus. I gave them an A. They had a really wow. good year. Oh. Now, now it's going to be whether they can build on that. Yep. And it was very well-deserved Kirill Kaprizov um, for the call, the trophy. Uh, Dean Everson, really good job as coach. They just seem to have found that mix now. Now they have to do it again next year. Let's go to a team that um, absolutely crashed and burned this year. It was the San Jose Shark. 199 goals stipped. The equal second worst defense in the competition level with the Buffalo Sabres. The only thing that prevented them from going any further was the insipid performance from the Anaheim Ducks. Well, when you've got good goaltending, it's half the team. When you've got no goaltending, it's all of the team. And a name that we're familiar with uh, on Triple H for different reasons to ice hockey, but he goes as bad as his namesake, is the San Jose goaltender, Martin Jones. If he doesn't get bought out this offseason, I don't know what Doug Wilson is thinking, the San Jose GM. Martin Jones has to be bought out. He's an absolute anchor on that team. I know it's not going to save them much in cap space. They just have to get rid of him. They just have to move on. They have to find someone else. San Jose, they're supposed to be contending at the moment. They're, they're trying to find a way to retool, but they've got so much money tied up in so many big contracts with so many aging players who just aren't delivering. I gave them a D minus. I could have probably given them an F, but I think they got the F last year because at least they're trying to do something with the retooling effort now. I gave them an F. I thought, yeah, yeah they tried, and I'm, but I'm sorry, they did not try hard enough. Yeah, I can see where you're going with that, but at least they know the situation they're in now. So I, I, they're not a team that is trying to load up 
thinking that they're a contender when they're not. They know that they're struggling now and they're trying to fix that. So that's the only reason I didn't give them an F. We then move on to the St. Louis Blues, who finished fourth in the division before getting absolutely swept by Colorado. They were there making up the numbers, and it was a typical St. Louis appearance, isn't it? Appearing, get into the playoffs and get beaten in the first round. Well, apart from their championship year, and that we're not that far removed from that, all things being equal, because I think they won the title before COVID hit, so uh, the season before that. So St. Louis, yeah, they're thereabouts. They had an off year. They were expected to be one of the top three teams, along with Colorado and Vegas in the West. They didn't really deliver. Was this an off year? Well, we'll have to wait and see next season. I'd give them a B minus. I gave them a C plus. So I think we're around the ballpark. No, I think we're around the ballpark there. The Vegas Golden Knights, well... Anyone who thought last year was a fluke, that's well and truly been put to bed this year. They finished second in the division. They made it all the way to the Stanley Cup semifinals. By all accounts and purposes, they were expected to make the finals with this team. Marc-Andre Fleury was absolutely outstanding for them this year. And they'll be disappointed they didn't make the finals. But considering twice in as many years how well they've gone, the NHL must be very happy with this expansion. They have elite goaltending, they have elite defence, they have elite wingers, but they don't have an elite first-line centre. They don't get anything going down the middle. And when you get into the playoffs, you really do need those centres performing because it's very easy to shut down wide players. They're going to need to find themselves a centre. I don't see themselves getting into the Eichel sweepstakes because the salary cap implications are going to be too heavy. But if Sam Reinhart at the Buffalo Sabres, their second-line centre, wants to look at moving on, then I think Vegas can get in on him or Sean Monaghan from the Calgary Flames. And if they can get a genuine top centre... I'm not saying that Sean Monaghan or Sam Reinhardt are rolled gold first-line centres, but they need a genuine top-notch centre, a genuine top-six centre. If they can get one of those guys, then they could go a little bit better. They'll be disappointed not to have made the final. I'd give them a B-plus because, yeah, I thought they should have beaten Montreal. I think a lot of us expected them to beat Montreal, but, look, they'll take what, they, what they've achieved in the last couple of years, and we should point out as well, the only team in the entire competition that actually did better in terms of defence than two goals a game. That's almost yeah. unheard of. That's, that's why you've got that great defence, but you've also got to find a way to score in the playoffs. When you don't have that elite talent driving down the centre, you're going to find goals very hard to come by in the playoffs, and that's what cost them. And I think that's what they've got to fix in the off-season. Let's, let's go to the division that we all know and love. The only one that really matters, isn't that right, Keith? <laughs> Think, I think that's a very good way of looking at things. Yep, let's start off. It is the North Division. We start off in the alphabetical oh, order. I don't call it the North Division. It's the Canadian, the Canadian Division. The Canadian yeah. Division. We start off with the Calgary Flames. They missed out on the playoffs by four points. Um, a very sort of mess season all round and more disappointment for the Flames. That's a D minus for them. They were absolutely terrible based on what they should have delivered this season. I was a little bit high on the Vancouver Canucks. I thought they were going to do better than what they did. And looking back, that was an error of judgment on my part. I had Calgary being one of the top teams in the Canadian division. And looking back, I had no reason to doubt that because Jacob Markstrom was signed on big money. They've got some good offensive talent. Matthew Kachuk, 
Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan. They had Sam Bennett for a while before they traded him. Then you got Mark Giordano on the blue line. This was a team that should have gone well into the playoffs. They should have won their way through to the Canadian Division Final. They missed the playoffs. It's a D minus, could almost be an F. They're going to have to figure out what they're doing. And I dare say that you're going to see someone moved this offseason, whether it's Johnny Gaudreau, whether it's Sean Monaghan. They've already moved Sam Bennett out to Florida, who's been a revelation since he arrived there. There's real problems for Calgary, and they're not going to be solved uh, anytime soon, I don't think. We then move on to the Edmonton Oilers, and Connor McDavid you know, just keeps stamping his authority on the competition here. He picked up the Art Ross Trophy. He picked up the Hart Memorial Trophy. He picked up the Ted Lindsay Award. To give you an idea of what Connor McDavid did this season, there's a, a real view of a player who scores 100 points in a season, that's goals or assists. So if you get a goal or an assist, you get a point. Any player that reaches 100 points on the season is considered the really elite of the elite in an 82-game season. Connor McDavid got to 100 points this year, and I think he did it in 52 games. That's the sort of player we're talking here. If you're talking about comparing him, I I think, on a cricketing level, I don't think it's unreasonable to compare him and his dominance to what Bradman used to do. That's just how dominant he is. If Connor McDavid is not in that Edmonton lineup, I think they finish somewhere where Ottawa-Vancouver did down the bottom, but he's there. He dragged them to second in the division. I would say, in a footballing term, he is doing what um, Kevin De Bruyne has been doing with Manchester City. He's just got the ability to score goals. He's got the ability to set them up. I've got his stats here, right here, right now. Uh, he, this is what people don't don't realise in terms of how good he is. He scored 33 goals, which is not bad. But 7-2 assists is unheard of. You play with Conor McDavid, you're going to score. That's it. Simple as that. The fact that they didn't go past Winnipeg, I'm going to give them a B. Most people would be giving them a B minus because, in fact, I'll give them a B plus because the officiating in that Winnipeg series was an absolute disgrace. To give you an idea, I, I think Connor McDavid, in every 60 minutes now, he's normally playing about 25 minutes a night with the Edmonton Oilers. Every 60 minutes, I think Connor McDavid draws about two and a half to three penalties. When he played that series, he played about uh, 100 minutes of hockey across the four games that Winnipeg swept the Oilers, did not draw a penalty. That does not happen. The referees put the whistle away. Winnipeg basically played a game of rugby league, took Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl out of it. It was disgraceful to watch from the officials, and I I feel for anybody that comes up against Connor McDavid in the playoffs next season, because if you look at him, you're going to go to the box. And Connor McDavid on the power play, that that is... There is nothing scarier than that. That is just brutal. That is Marie Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond. Scary is Connor McDavid on the power play. We then move on to the Montreal Canadiens, and Keith is probably sick and tired of seeing them popping up after what they did in the playoff finals. For all intents and purposes, I'll let you have was... your boast here because I'm going to get to another team that I'm going to absolutely unload on. So you can have your boast. Uh, look, I'm not going to boast too much about them. They just snuck into the the playoffs on 59 points by five points over the Calgary Flames. And then what they did was absolutely ridiculous. They beat Toronto in seven. They swept Winnipeg. They beat Vegas Golden Knights in six. Yes, they got spanked in the end by Tampa Bay. The run had come to an end. But we saw the 
almost the resurrection of their Messiah in Carey Price. Where has this been the last two to three years? They're a team built for the playoffs. If he can get some more scoring punch, Mark Bergevin, I think Montreal has the potential to be a real threat because they've got some kids developing at the moment. They just need a little bit more time. I think Montreal can be a threat uh, a couple of years down the line. I think it's a nice window that's starting to open for them. Okay, Shea Webb is probably not going to be there, but you can go out and you can find a really solid top-haired D if you're prepared to give up some real assets. And they are building a little bit of a pipeline at the moment, the Canadians. So I think it looks good for them into the future. Yeah, okay, they fell across the line, but they had some COVID problems mid-season. And don't forget, they lost their coach for a couple of games in the cup final as well. And that's no small thing to lose your coach when you're coming up against Tampa Bay on the road. So Montreal, I'd give them an A-plus for this season. They really did overachieve. If they do this a couple of years in the future, I might downgrade that grade simply because they weren't expected to do this yet. They're on track now. They've proven that they can do it. The question is whether this year's an aberration or whether last season was an aberration. Well, there's only one way to find out there. And then the question that's going across everyone's mind now is what they do with Price. Is this the time now that they start looking to ship him off or do they keep hanging on to him for another no couple one's, of no years? No one's taking a goaltender with another four years left on a $10.5 million cap hit. No one's taking Carey Price off their hands. They're stuck with Carey Price for the duration of the contract and that's it. And the fact that he's turn, turned the corner, gone back to his best. I think they're probably going to lose Jake Allen in the expansion draft simply because they're not, they're only able, no team is able to protect more than one goaltender. So I think that Seattle's going to pick Jake Allen. They just have to go out and find a competent backup and there's no shortage of those out there and I don't think they're going to have any problem providing a backup to Carey Price to allow him to only play 45 to 50 games and keep himself fresh. We then move on to your beloved Ottawa Senators who finished with 51 points. Someone say a little unlucky to miss out on the playoffs, but it has to be said that they did um, struggle in terms of their defence, which has been a bit of an Achilles heel over the last couple of years. Yeah, it was a 2-12-1 and start to the season, and everybody was asking whether Ottawa would actually make it to 10 wins on the season. Going into those last 10 or 15 games, if this was an 82-game season, I have no doubt that your Canadians probably missed the playoffs. They were on that much of a slump, and their spot gets taken by my Senators because Ottawa went on an absolute tear in the last 10. They went 7-2-1, and and it wasn't just a lucky tear. This was a team playing really good hockey. I'm really excited, not necessarily for next season because it's going to be a stat- Eastern Conference, but certainly the season after that, I've got no doubt that this team should be making the playoffs. Another top 10 pick this season. That's if Ottawa chooses not to trade it, because if anyone's going to trade a top 10 pick this season, I think it might be Ottawa looking for a really elite defensive option. And don't be surprised if Ottawa really does put on a big run towards the playoffs next season. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the goaltending, but in terms of what Ottawa achieved overall this season, I'd give them an A- because what I saw in the last 10 to 15 games, really, really impressive. We then move on to the Toronto Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm waiting to hear if this is the team you are going to absolutely pace. They topped the the Canadian division, 187 goals for, and they absolutely fell in a heap inexplicably against Montreal. Well, let, let me put it this way. The, the, the Egyptians have an old thing called mummification, and it, remain, and it means that you removed all the internal organs before you buried the body in the pyramid. Toronto is a team that is currently playing, and they've already undergone the first process of mummification – 
because there's no heart in that team. They don't have a heart. You could even go so far as to say they don't have a soul in that team because there is no desire to go in there and play hard, tough hockey. They want to win games by 6-3 to three or 7-2. to two. Now, that's a perfectly understandable way of looking at it, but when you get to the playoffs, you don't win games by 6-3 and 7-2. You win them 2-1. You win them one nothing. You win them 3-2. to two. If And that's a, that's a pretty high-scoring playoff game. I've got to give you the tip. There is no heart in this team. There is no commitment when the going gets really tough. They're going to go out in the regular season. They're going to absolutely belt teams in the regular season. They're going to run up goal-scoring records. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, they're going to do what they want in the regular season. They get to the playoffs, they go missing. There's no goals being scored there. Jason Spezza, who is, I think, a year older than me, he might even be my age. So I think he's 38 this season. He had more goals in the playoffs than Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner. And Jason Spetz is playing on the fourth line on minimum wage. Marner and Matthews between them pull in $21 million in cap hit. This is a team, Toronto, that if they're going to do anything in the next few years, they need to take Mitch Marner and they need to trade him because they need to put shockwaves through this team. I would give them a D for what they achieved this season because this was a team that was supposed to go deep. They were supposed to represent the Canadian division. I was fretting that this was going to be the year that Toronto was going to turn around, win it all, and we have to hear from all those unbearable Leaf fans, but instead we get to have another year of laughing at them, similar to what the drag- St. George Illawarra Dragons fans did to the Sharks before they ended up winning the comp. I think it's now 51 years and one bugger all Toronto. Oh, don't worry, I've already started laughing at the, my Toronto fans at the moment, so uh, I've got... It was beautiful to see them melt down in that Game 7 against Montreal. I know as a Senators fan I'm supposed to hate both teams, but there's nothing like seeing a Toronto meltdown in a Game 7. Oh, absolutely. It's almost, it was almost um, Chernobyl-style meltdown. It was that impressive. We then move on to the Vancouver Canucks, who finished bottom of the Canadian division on 50 points. It, remember, we have to say that the Canadian division was actually quite close, and the, the quality of their bottom three teams would probably be much better than most of the other divisions. Uh, I would probably agree with you there, but only because uh, the way the kids play for Ottawa is probably what holds that up. I think that Vancouver, I had them peak for something big. I didn't think that they take that much of a step back. Looking back on that, I was way off with that prediction, and I'll wear that on the chin because that was a real dud call from me. I thought they'd make the playoffs. They finished last, but they also got ravaged by COVID, so not going to be too hard on them because they had the opportunity to still make the playoffs uh, down the stretch. If they won all their remaining games after returning from the COVID break, then they were a real shot, and they started by winning a few. They, they knocked off a couple of teams, but then it all fell apart for them. They finished last. They've got a bright future, the Canucks. They've just got to make sure that they draft and develop well because they've got the prospects there if they use them properly. I think the future's bright. A little bit disappointing for Vancouver this season, all things being equal. I'd give them a C+. And finally, we finish off with the Winnipeg Jets. They finished third, but as we mentioned before, they got absolutely bundled out by Montreal in the second round after accounting for Edmonton and the bash-up job they did on Connor McDavid. Uh, I, I think they're all going to be driving back, scratching their heads, going, how did we F that up? Well, they showed that they could play really good hockey when they did take out the Oilers. Now, were they playing legal hockey? Well, who knows? I don't think they were. But they did what they were able to to neutralise Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So they did that well. Montreal gave them a different challenge. Montreal got into the grind and Winnipeg couldn't go with them. They need to bulk up on the blue line. They're missing a couple of 
really good defensemen. They need a couple of really good defensive options back there. They've got Connor Hellebuck, who I think is the best US goaltender there. John Gibson gives him a run for his money, but Hellebuck and Gibson at the Olympics, I think, is going to be a hell of a goaltending tandem for the US. I don't think they've got any problems up front. I don't think they've got any problems in net. they just got to bulk up on the blue line, and they're going to be a good team. I think they overachieved this year. I'd give them a B plus, maybe an A minus, but I'd, mean, I'd lean more towards the B plus because they really should have gone and given Montreal more of a run. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of all 31 teams that we are we were reviewing for their season. And the it's important rest- that you say that it's 31 teams, and I think you're going where I thought you were. Sorry to cut you off there because it's going to turn into 32 teams. And I just love the name of this Seattle team, the Seattle Kraken. They're going to release the Kraken. The expansion draft is not that far away. That is going to be so fun to watch. Uh, are they going to name their mascot Cthulhu? They're, talk- they're talking about exactly that. They're-, they're more concerned at the moment about calling the Seattle fans crackheads. <laughs> is your mate Dr. Peter Phelps going to support them just because of the reference towards the Kraken? It's it's quite possible. They're, they're already talking about that. And are you-, you might think that that's a joke. There are actually articles, if you go out and read them online, where there are discussions, oh, should they have called themselves the Kraken because fans will be called crackheads and all that sort of thing. And so it's a really interesting discussion point <laughs> to have. So, yeah, if you get a chance, just have a look at that because it's going to be quite fun to read. And you know how you're going to beat this team? You've got to make yourself the narwhals. <laughs> That was that was an option to call themselves the Seattle Narwhals as well. So hey, um, there's a song made for them already. So. Yeah, they, 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 they were certainly on a theme. But yeah, in in season 2021-22 in the National Hockey League, release the Kraken. Release the Kraken, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on Splinters. What a pleasure to have the Lord Mayor back with us once again. And Keith, we hope to see you again in a couple of weeks, where we will be previewing the next season to come. Well, we'll certainly see exactly how the off season goes, and looking forward to talking hockey once again. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on Splinters the Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Korean Guide Post, the Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports. Apart on behalf of Keith Topolsky, I am Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. (laughs) 